Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, better, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our gold and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Lauren Zoller and I both wholeheartedly believe in the alchemy of active choice orientation. But to get there, we have to recognize our own victim blame mentality. Lauren shares how she got out of her own way, but only when she realized that she was ostracizing those she loved by her own, this is happening to me, internal dialogue. She thought everyone was against her and soon realized she was the common denominator. Lauren's own story of overcoming diagnosed depression and anxiety through natural solutions after life crisis has led her to advocate for a non-pharmaceutical approach to life. She is now the president and CEO of Lauren Zoller Coaching, as well as the founder and host of the Balanced Boss Podcast, a show that interviews high achievers who are following their dreams and staying healthy in the process. Lauren has been featured in international publications such as Prevention, Shape, Business Insider, Total Beauty, Thrive Global, Goalcast, Money Inc., Healthline, Greatest, and more. Lauren Zoller is a CTA certified life management coach, wellness expert, motivational speaker, and podcast host. She has achieved overwhelming success in helping burned out high achievers shift their viewpoint and find an alternative approach to crisis management. Lauren is the creator of the four-step transformational process, a cutting edge coaching system that elicits lasting change to overcome burnout and avoid a misdiagnosed clinical disorder. Lauren shares the awareness required to dig into your relationship with victim blame, vulnerability, and whether or not you find yourself consistently complaining. Leveling up requires deep self-awareness and the ownership of your own stuff. Lauren lives in Nashville, Tennessee with her sweet Persian cat, Ellie, and teaches yoga at multiple studios in the Nashville area. When she is not teaching or coaching, you can find her traveling, speaking, and leading workshops to promote her ultimate message of living a healthy, unmedicated life. Let's dig in. I am very pleased to bring on the show with me today, Lauren Zoller. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I um, was recently on Lauren's podcast and we had a great conversation and I was following her on Instagram and she just like, I'm loving what you're putting out there. Uh, it speaks to me and I just, I love it. Like people argue that sometimes like on Instagram, like people only want to see small snippets and you mm-hmm. and I are not of that mindset. <laughs> We're both like teaching through your Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so funny. People are like, you write novels. Mm-hmm. You could just turn your entire Instagram into a book. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. Someone asked me, they were like, so basically you're blogging. Why don't you just do a blog? And I'm like, because this is like a great platform for me, you know, and sometimes like I'll even hate the photo that's up, but I don't care because I think the words are more important. Yes, absolutely. I'm in the same boat. But sometimes the pictures do spur yes. what you want to speak about too. That's very true. There are times where I'm like when I'm kind of in in a zone where I'm not sure like what, what I want to cover. 
and I'll, I'll pull up the images and suddenly like one of them like you're like reflective or it'll be a picture with me and my daughter and I'm like oh this makes me think of x so no. I guess it's yeah it's inspirational for us as well um the one post specifically that I, I was reading that I was like falling in love with that I wanted to talk to you about was um victim blame mentality and the reason why is because I believe so heavily in growth mindset and active choice orientation. We have to move away from passive decision making and really create active choice orientation in our daily lives. Like everything we do, I am of the mindset, is a choice that we make and that means how we're reacting to things. Mm -hmm. But to do that, you have to shift your victim blame mindset. And so many times we don't even realize that we're stuck in that place. And I know that you talk about this with your clients, and I would love for you to kind of dig in with us a little bit and tell us what we can do to be aware if we're sitting in that space and and help us kind of deconstruct these conversations that we're having in our heads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that we're talking about this because this is such um, it's such a hot topic right now, even though it's it's being addressed a lot in the mental space, in the mental awareness space. And so but a lot of people don't understand what victim blame mentality really is and or kind of what the signs and symptoms are if you are living in that space. Mm-hmm. And the reason that it hits home with me is that I was this person. I was the number one candidate for living in victim mentality. Um, I grew up thinking that everything was against me, that the world was against me. Mm-hmm. And I got myself into this kind of tiny little bubble of, really excluding myself from everyone to the point where I had be, I had just ended up on my own little island. I was working as an entrepreneur, which I think is very easy for us to do, um, working in my tiny little bubble. And I had you know, driven away friends. I had driven away family members. I had driven away significant others because I constantly thought that everything that was happening was happening to me constantly, that everything that everybody did was against me. And so that spurred something in me that made me realize one day I woke up and I was like, holy cow, I am so alone right now. (laughs) And there's nobody here. There's nobody here around me. I've pushed them all away. What were the things that you were telling yourself? What were some of those sentences? Um, I was really telling myself that this is happening to me. Why is this person making me feel this way? Mm. Why are they doing this to make me feel X, right? Like why, when I would get in an argument with someone and something would happen, I would constantly think that they were acting a certain way because of, because of what they thought of me. So I was putting the blame on them as opposed to flipping the conversation and turning inwards and saying, okay, what this person is saying is not about them. It's about me and what I am going through in a part of myself that needs to heal. So whenever something happens in the victim mentality, when you have a reaction to something that someone says, we have the shift has to happen around something that's spurring something that is a thought that you have, mm-hmm. right? And how you process what happens when someone says something to you is all surrounded around something that has happened in your past that you either may need to heal or you need to shed light on. So the victim mentality is really thinking and blaming other people for the thoughts that you have. It's so, so I, 
I kind of feel like victim blame in, in a lot of ways is almost like a defense mechanism, right? It's mm-hmm. almost like you've got this shield up and you're like, why are you doing this to me? Because it's really hard to actually like look behind the shield at yourself. I also, I've noticed it and it's one of the things like I talk to my daughter about because I hear this, well, that's your fault. You did that. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because like little kids, like the first thing they do is point the finger, well, I didn't do that. He did that. And so I've been like actively like, hey, what you're doing right now is called blaming. And yeah. that's so that you don't take responsibility for actions, but that doesn't mean that you need to put it on another. So some of those things, right, it's it's like I don't want to take responsibility for my own bad <laughs> behavior or the things within, but it's also like when we have a habit of being like, well, you did that to yourself. That's your fault. Mm-hmm. That was your choice. That's just those to me are some of those like sentences that, you know, you hear throughout the day that clues you in like, hey, this is blame speak. This is what people say in order to blame others and to kind of remove themselves from responsibility, but it requires a lot of, requires a lot of self-awareness. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so much of the blame mentality, when there is some sort of confrontation with another person, when you start to blame someone else, you're giving them the power in that situation Mm -hmm. and you're not taking that power on for yourself. And I think that that's the hardest shift. Um, So when you label what someone has done to you to make you feel a certain way, if you label what they said to you as making you feel hurt or lonely or isolated or angry or wrong, you're giving them the power to place that label on you. Mm -hmm. And shifting that can be really hard. Like it can be really hard to flip the mirror back on yourself and say, okay, this situation has happened to me. This person expressed how something made them feel. What does that mean for me? And maybe if something hits home with you and it makes you feel a certain way, that is a clue that you need to dig deeper into why it made you feel that way. Yeah. And I think so. the word triggers is also a hot hot word right now (laughs) everyone's like I'm triggered but we don't always know what that means and I think of them as as little gifts that people give us whether or not we like them and it's kind of funny because I can sit here on my fancy like you know cushy little cushioned chair and be like oh that triggered me um but then I'll have someone who will walk in especially if they're from your past right and they'll say the say the one thing or bring up an old fact, or it's just old family stuff. Something about DNA makes us, like, our blood boils a little bit hotter, right? And all of a sudden, it takes you back to another place. And it it, it, remind, it puts you back into a mindset that you don't want to be in. And thankfully, because I've spent so much time working on myself, I recognize, like, okay, this is not the kind of how I want to feel inside. This is not the space that I want to take up. This is not how I want to show up in the world. So what are they gifting me with in this moment? Is it that I don't feel worthy? Is it that I feel, um, and sometimes the relationships, I mean, let's be honest, sometimes there's toxic relationships, right? Um, right. Where where someone needs to be introduced to the, the boundary of your porch. Um, but a lot of times before they get there, it's because there's something for you to kind of take from that and learn from that and kind of understand about yourself. But like you said, self-awareness is a tricky business. And it, it comes, I think, in layers and it requires a commitment to yourself and your self-development. For you, when you had that moment, you are like, okay, I feel pretty lonely right now. What did you do first? Like what were the first steps? The first step for me was to start to – 
pour myself back into these relationships and pour myself into them in a way where when I was having conversations, start to really notice the way that I felt when I was having conversations with these people that were close to me. So the, the people that had distanced themselves away from me, but I knew would always be there were my family members. And so I knew that that was the first place that I could start would be to try to, if I knew that if I reached back out to my family members and I had conversations with them, that they would invite me back in. Mm -hmm. And from that space, I literally walked in thinking, I just need to become aware of what is making me upset, mad, angry, Mm -hmm. sad, isolated. What are these things that are are causing me to retreat? Like what exact conversations? And so the first step was bringing awareness to that. And I threw myself back into these conversations with family members. And I really shined a really bright light on those things that were making me sad and angry and frustrated. And then I started to do some deeper work in that area. Um, and I think that deep work again is another buzzword Mm -hmm. that's, that's being used right now. And deep work can look different for every single person. I, um, once I was able to, to shine a light on some of those areas where I was feeling lonely and I was feeling sad and angry, I was able to then go to my therapist and talk it out with my therapist and try to find out what was this underlying trigger per se that was allowing me to become angry when these things started to come up. But awareness was really the first step was being able to throw myself into that space of, okay, I really have to feel my feelings. I think we as human beings tend to suppress feelings and we put them all into this tiny little box and shove it in our back pocket because feelings can sometimes halt you where you are. Mm -hmm. And they can, I mean, they're called feelings for a reason. You're supposed to feel them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what was happening is that I was just not addressing the feelings. I was stuffing them all in a, in a big, you know, box, sticking them in my, my back pocket so that I could bulldoze and move forward in my career. And in the process, I really halted myself because I, I isolated myself to a point where I wasn't allowing myself to process the anger and process the sadness and process the guilt that was coming up when I was having conversations with people that were close to me. Yeah. Did you, were you honest with any of these folks that that's what you were actively pursuing when you were talking to them? Did you tell them that you were working on yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, How, yes, yes. What and was, they knew. And they were supportive, it sounds like, and they were willing to kind of go there with you. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And I, you know, Jeanette, I say that too. There's And I think that this is important and I know that we'll kind of transition into this, but even when it comes to victim mentality and having these conversations with people, it's also really clear, like you said, to have boundaries on, you know, even when you're in this, this growth space, Mm -hmm. what is okay and what is not okay. And knowing that people do say hurtful things and, and, I think that that needs to be the disclaimer too when talking about the victim mentality. This doesn't mean that you can just allow someone to, you know, kind of hurt you over and over and over again and then drop the fact that you're the victim in it. I mean, there are things that people say that are hurtful. Mm -hmm. And to know where that boundary is that, yes, I'm going to use what someone says and have it as a constructive emotion that I'm going to feel and dissect and process. And as opposed to this is something hurtful that someone has said, and this is a reflection of their pain and their hurt that they have not felt. There really is a, a very 
you know, strong line in the sand in regards to those two things. And that was something that really did show up when I started to bring awareness yeah. into the space of victim mentality. I had the same experience myself when I, when I kind of realized that I was in very similar relationships. My marriage was failing. My, my relationship with my best friend was falling apart. Um, and the people I was going to for support, there was very similar kind of uh, behaviors that were kind of showing themselves. And I was sitting there kind of cutting my own arms, being like, I, you know, poor me, everyone's doing this to me. And finally one day I was like, I've chosen these people. <laughs> and yes. I've chosen these conversations and I have to take an active stance now. I also had just had a little girl. So all of a sudden I have this responsibility to be a strong and present parent. And I was like, okay, it's time to clean up my side of the street. And like you said, you get to a point to where you're like, okay, what are they saying that is is a trigger? That's something that I need to work on. And it was around issues of worth and, and things like that. But what also is toxic behavior and how do I start enacting boundaries? Because that's one of the things, you know, mentioned boundaries, but I think it's one of the things that we're not always taught, at least our generation mm-hmm. wasn't taught um, from from a young age. Like for me personally, it was kind of like children will be seen and not heard, use your manners, that kind of thing. And we don't really come into adulthood being like, let me express healthy boundaries, and, you know, I'm teaching my daughter very differently. Like she now understands what boundaries are and how it's important to express them, even to adults, um, when it comes to things that make you uncomfortable. But I think it's almost like you reparent yourself in those situations where you're like, okay, I need to get out of this mindset where I'm my own worst enemy, right? Right. But I also need to take stock of the relationships that I've allowed into my life or and, and kind of clean up and maybe – make sure that I'm bringing in healthier paradigms as I move forward into this healthier version of myself. Um, and I know that's something that's hard for for people because a lot of times when you tar- start to take a look internally, um, you start raising your standards and you start kind of saying, you know, this is what I will accept into my life and this is the kind of person and the character that I want to have as I move forward. And that may mean that you're calling in a whole new group of people who are going to support you in this next version of your life but that you're creating boundaries and saying goodbye to some that do not support you any longer. Yes. Yes, for sure. And there's, I'm I'm a huge follower of Brene Brown and she says that so eloquently too. I mean, if you break down boundaries to, you know, kind of the simplest level, it is literally deciding what is okay and what is not okay. And the more that you start to shift away from that victim mentality and you start to dive deeper into what it is that triggers you when you have these conversations, you will become innately more boundary. You will, because in order for you to move forward with growth and start to really call in the people that you want to have in your life that are in line with where you are going as a human being, mm-hmm. you have to set those boundaries. So that's part of dealing with the victim mentality. I, I love in your Instagram post, you mentioned the first and foremost, blaming others is, is huge. If you start to look at, if you're pointing outward all the time, that's one of the first steps. You also mentioned hiding from vulnerability. And I was hoping that you could dig into that a little bit because I am, I, I don't readily see the correlation, but I think I might look at vulnerability a little bit differently. So I'm curious if you could dig into that for us. Yeah. So vulnerability, and it depends on on who you And when I say vulnerability, I mean vulnerability from a, really from a, from an intimate standpoint, Mm, right? So 
if you can find, if you find yourself constantly running away from anything that feels intimate, whether it's with, and I'm not talking intimacy in regards to the bedroom, right. Or, Mm -hmm. and it could translate there. And just with your partner, I'm talking about vulnerability to the people that are close to you. So your close friends and the people that are your family, anyone that is a safe space that you have labeled a safe space. If you find yourself putting up shields and armor around these people because you feel as though they are going to hurt you in some way and or in the past when they have said something, it has triggered you to go to a certain space. And so therefore you completely hide from being vulnerable from these people. Mm -hmm. That's a sign. That's the next step underneath putting blame on those people because you're, you're taking it even further where you've built this shield around yourself to where you don't feel safe with the people that are close and intimate with you. So I think it's different. I, I, I too think vulnerability, again, we, we're talking about so many buzzwords. Vulnerability seems to be this hot topic, especially on Instagram right now, mm-hmm. where everyone's saying, oh, you need to be vulnerable and people need to connect with you mm-hmm. from a vulnerable space. And that means that you have to air your entire life out on the world. Um, in this context, I think when it comes to you know, labeling the victim mentality and trying to fix that in your own life, it's really looking at, are you running and hiding it from the vulnerable relationships that are closest to you? Because we as humans need that. We connect from the space of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be that we connect to everyone in the world on Instagram. Well, and that's like such a, a, a deep kind of soft space, right? Like if you can't even feel safe in your closest relationships, how are you going to open yourself? How are you going to truly connect? And I think that the buzzwords, like I do laugh because I see all these memes all over the place with like all these buzzwords. But what I've always said is like they're there for a reason, but peel back the layers and dig deeper into them, right? There's a reason that those words are so popular. And I, I worry for the people who just like throw the meme up on their wallpaper and they're like, I'm doing this today. Day. okay well that actually requires some deep work <laughs> like yes. it requires a lot more tears and some journaling a few lattes like <sighs> there's some work there um and I think that's the one thing that like I would want to impress upon people is like you can say all of these things but until you greet yourself until you truly turn inward and say okay what is it that I'm dealing with internally and before I, I always feel like you have to clean up your house first before you can look outward and be, you know, you can be a great parent, girlfriend, wife, sister, mother, whatever. But until you really clean up your side of the street, your house, um, you're going to have these these issues where there's there's conflict or you don't feel safe enough to be open. And one of the things that I've realized is even in romantic relationships, if you don't feel vulnerable enough to open yourself to your partner – and allow for that true connection, you're going to have troubles with conflict and intimacy later on. There's the conflict and the ability to talk about these things and show them your heart offers you the ability to drive your relationship deeper and to be more intimate. And again, not the bedroom, but emotionally for you to have that kind of core stability. I think it's so important that we greet each other from this place of humanity as opposed to this kind of guarded, like, don't hurt me, please place. Right. Right. Absolutely. And it's, and you're so right. It does start with you. And 
even hiding from vulnerability and the fact that you're not being vulnerable with yourself Mm -hmm. and you're not allowing yourself again, going right back to stuffing all those feelings and emotions when they come up in your back pocket. That's the perfect example of not allowing yourself to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. with who you are and really feeling those feelings. And then the next step would be those people that are close to you. Like you said, there's no way that you can show up for those people and find that intimacy. If you are not a vulnerable with yourself, be vulnerable with the people that are close to you. And then allow yourself to figure out what are the boundaries around that that I can start to then share from a vulnerable space with Mm -hmm. people outside of the people that are close to me and myself. It's interesting that you say that because I think that's one of the things too that I've learned over time is that as you start to raise your standards and you've had some life experience, you have a tendency to enter friendships and relationships not throwing everything up on the table at the very Mm -hmm. beginning. But I think it was Brene Brown who actually talked about like how it's kind of like you're making a deposit when it comes to trust and vulnerability. You're, you're providing safe spaces to begin to open yourself up to this person and creating the intimacy and the trust between you, whether it's, you know, whomever it is in your life, um, friendships or, or romantic, but that so that they can be, deeper and more emotionally connected I I'm so I think it's such a powerful thing to own your mess right and to be able to look at yourself and like I was talking to someone recently and I was like I know that if I'm triggered I can either become a martyr or I can become self-absorbed yes. <laughs> or passive aggressive if I don't want to fight with you right well, I've gotten to the place where I'm so self-aware that I can share those things with my partner and be like, hey, I'm starting to get passive aggressive. So there's clearly something here that we need to talk about. Like what a powerful thing that is to be able to say, here's my my light, but here's my darkness as well. And I'm yes. aware of these things and I'm not excusing them. I recognize when I'm stepping into my bad behavior. So let's talk through it before I really take you down <laughs> on this path that we don't need to to explore. Right. And that's so powerful. I mean, that is so powerful. That really is the beauty of self-work when you get, when you get to do the work and you come out on the other side, it's, it's being able to realize and hone in and acknowledge that I'm not fixing these things. Like there's no innate fix to it. Like you're not going to go through the self-work and then be fixed. You're really calling light to the things that are trigger, whether it be something triggers you from a place of anger or, um, from a place of jealousy or a place of greed or a place of, of grieving, Mm -hmm. you're then able to step into that light and say, this is what I'm going through and I need to process it as opposed to feeling it and taking it out on the other person. (laughs) A hundred percent. It's so funny because I think that's like, every time my boyfriend is so familiar with the word processing now because <laughs> I'm like I'm processing I'll be back with you soon <laughs> he's like oh my god but now he appreciates it right because I'm like here's the thing I can greet you right now from a place of misunderstanding or you can give me a minute to feel through my feelings and be able to actually put words to them <laughs> and, yes. and then we'll meet again and I think that that's like such a powerful thing to be able to say like here is the work that I've been able to do. And one of the things I truly appreciate is that um, you said it's never done. And that's so true. I had someone say, when are we finished? When do we level up? And I'm like, baby girl, you level up all the time, right? Like you're going to constantly level up to new versions of yourself. Every time I think I'm enlightened, there is a new layer of something I have to get through. And finally, I've gotten to the place of surrender where you're like, okay, you know what? This is a learning experience. I'm going to continue to learn about myself. But what I have now is a better toolbox 
and resources and friendships and I understand myself better. So if you're if anyone's listening is on the journey of of self-development, no, your toolbox will be lit. <laughs> like, yeah. You're gonna have a really great toolbox, but you're always gonna be working on yourself. Um, always you can always add new tools. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the third one that you mentioned, um, it's kind of like warn yourself, is consistently um, complaining. I know a lot mm-hmm. of complainers, and um, I remember being little, and our, our family dynamic was very much that um, we were put upon. Like nothing, we had a very, it was a very funny, self-deprecating, dry sense of humor that was like across the family, and like. It was like nothing ever good happens to us. Oh, well, I guess it's the Schneider curse. And there was always this kind of sense of like things don't work out for us and so-and-so did this and blah, 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 blah. And it was just – it was really sad over time because what you recognize is a lot of people who are kind of stuck in this, you know, fixed mindset that we're not moving anywhere and we don't have the power to move. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about what you've seen in this this space when it comes to complaining. Yeah. So it's funny because I grew up kind of in the same, in a a similar family (laughs) to a certain degree. And I think something that I have noticed kind of as a, um, a generation right now, the generation we're living in is that it's easier for people to take the way, take the easy road out and saying, Oh, this just isn't going to work for me. Mm Because that seems much easier than leveling up and saying, no, this is going to work and I'm going to make it happen. It's easier for us to become victim and it's easier for us to slip into some sort of complaining mentality. And if we kind of look at it on you know, a scientific level, we know that like energy attracts like energy. So even if you look at it from that standpoint, um, when you complain, that complaint is a, is a negative connotation. It's a negative energy. Of course, you're going to attract the exact same thing. So when you're in this space of constantly complaining and even, you know, even little things such as I don't have enough time or, um, you know, this happened to me because of X, mm-hmm. it, it sends that negative vibration. Of course, you're going to attract that same thing into your life because you're consistently operating from that space Mm -hmm. it's the only thing that your brain knows yeah so of course it's going to have that well and I I like I always want to shake people who are in that mindset but we're all on our own path (laughs) we all we all have to get there when we get there but it's it's really true I think that's one of the things like it's I I remember a lot of I don't have time there's a lot of that I don't have time um we don't have time for this we don't have time for that and it it was almost as if there was never ever time to do things that filled our souls or mm-hmm. were emotionally rewarding, but more kind of like we grind, we work, we work, we work. And that's a continued kind of a continued path and a continued conversation for some. And I think it's one of the things I notice with myself when I'm like, I don't have time for that. It immediately triggers in me like, okay, I'm putting out this busyness. What am I avoiding? Right. Yes. What am I trying to avoid by filling my time and my calendar with busy work um, so that I don't have to I don't have to take care of myself or I don't have to right. fully engage in certain relationships or conversations. And, you know, there's a lot there's a lot there to kind of unpack when you're like, oh, I need to take care of all parts of myself. Right. So I actually I do have time to sit and scroll 
social media or watch the news for hours every Mm -hmm. evening I also have time to fill my soul or fill my my mind Um, exactly exactly and I think I had that conversation with a client with one of my clients earlier this morning and I'm you know I I told her this I said you are a direct reflection of the choices that you have made Mm -hmm. so complaining is a choice it's always a choice. And, and like you said, there's always a layer deeper yeah. than what comes out of our mouth. So if there is something that you're consistently complaining about in this instance with my client this morning, she's, she's a workaholic. She works 60, 70 hours a week. She has two children at home and her children at home don't know mommy. Mm-hmm. They don't know that time with mommy because she's never home. And so our entire conversation was this entire one hour long complaint session. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, I said, you do know that you are a reflection of the choices that you have made. Mm -hmm. And if this is a reality that you do not want for yourself, you're going to have to shift your choices. Mm -hmm. So this, this constant complaining is, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jeanette, in saying that it's a way for someone to deflect the reality of what they want for themselves and really taking ownership of making the steps to move forward to get there. Mm, so true. It's so interesting. So I was my daughter, I was I used to travel for work quite a bit. And my daughter didn't seem to mind. She seemed like I knew that she'd miss me. Um and I'm co-parenting with her dad and she never really said anything about it and her dad would call me every now and then and kind of read me the riot act and be like your priorities are skewed, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm grinding, I'm busy, I'm trying to provide. And I had all these stories in my head for the reasons that it was okay. Mm. And then life shifted and he actually, we had a conversation where it was like, okay, I'm going to shift now to um, my new career and that will allow me more time at home. And I now get to take my daughter to school and I get to pick her up and um I spent a lot more time with her and I, we were walking into school one day and like six months after I transitioned to this new career, I said, Hey babe, you know, I have to, to take a couple, I have to go on two trips or back to back. So even though this is my week, daddy's going to pick you up for a few days in a row, but then I'll be home. And she stopped and she said, she, we're walking into school and she literally physically stopped and held my hand tight and looked at me and said, it can't go back to the way it was. And I was like, oh, my God. I know. I was like, that bothered you? She goes, I didn't like that at all, Mommy. Like, I don't like – I don't want you to do that again. And I, it, it was the final kind of realization that I was making choices and telling myself stories about why things needed to be the way they were. And I, I was like, oh, it's fine. She's fine. And kind of ignoring and telling myself things and – that kind of not complaint, but excuses. Like, I don't have time. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. They need me. They need this. And I hadn't really gotten clear with what I wanted, not what corporate America wanted, right? I hadn't really gotten clear what my daughter wanted. And I was not listening to the messages that were coming in. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, we do make choices every single day. And sometimes we think we've chosen a specific career or path, but it has been chosen for us. We continue on that grind, unaware and unwilling to see anything outside of it. Um, And I just, I thought it was one of those moments where I was like, wow, we can shift our life at any point in time. We have the ability to make choices and, and set ourselves up in ways where it's not one or the other. Um, Right. That was a huge lesson for me. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so, it's so huge. It's so huge. And I really need to give this podcast to my client so that she can hear that too, which I'm sure she'll listen to it. But you're, it's so true. I think going back to the victim mentality too, and narrowing in on, on choice, really the victim mentality is a choice. Mm-hmm. That's all that it is. It's your choice of being the victim in any given situation. And so it's really up to you to decide whether or not you want to flip that story. Yeah. One of the things that, one of the recommendations that I, I would have um, for anyone that that listens is a lot of times when something negative happens to me, rather than being like, I can't believe they did that. Why would they do that to me? Da, 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 da. A lot of times I stand there and say, can I, can I change what just happened? No, I can't change what just happened. So how am I going to respond to it in a way that moves me out, away from it, through it, or above it? right? Mm. So I make an active choice in the moment that I receive negative news or something bad happens to how I'm going to respond to it. Rather than just reacting, I'm like, I have a choice right now. I can't fix it. I can't change it. It was bad. And I and it can hurt. But how am I going to move through this? And that's been a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even what you said too about, you know, having something happen with your significant other, even taking that time to process and, mm-hmm. and telling someone, you know, I need this time to process. Yeah. And even if it's just stepping back and circling back around in five minutes, that goes right back to setting that boundary with yourself for that other person so that you can process it. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love being able to ask yourself, is this something that I need to discard? Do I need to move through it or do I need to address it? Mm-hmm. And by all means, feel the feelings. <laughs> That's oh, the one thing we sure. learned. Right. You got to feel the feelings. It's so funny. I'm like, Absolutely. I, and I think it's a conversation we too have to have with our kids, right? So like to any parents out there, um, I, I read a post um, by Danielle Craig. She has a podcast herself and she was actually talking about her son who had been mean to his brother. He did something and she felt very strongly that he needed to apologize and he didn't want to and he was really upset. And so she's like, well – write down your feelings and so he scribbled on a piece of paper I don't want to say I'm sorry and so they had an entire conversation about pride and they had a conversation about you know what was going on with him and he didn't want to do it again but he didn't want to say he was sorry because then he would have to admit that he actually did the thing and I was like the fact that you just walked a four-year-old through that entire process with crayons (laughs) and a boy is just like next level. Like that is going yes. to set him up when we can give our kids the ability to actually name their feelings and walk them through them rather than like disciplining them or sending them to their rooms and say, tell me why you did this thing. What are you feeling right now? Let's walk through that emotion. We're setting them up in their future relationships to be able to actually process these feelings um, and be able to kind of advocate for self rather than shoving them in the back pocket like, like we may have learned how to do. <laughs> yes. We're most of us. And you know, our parents do the best that they can, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's what they've, they've taught. And so I would challenge, you know, the listeners who are listening into this and really starting to dig deep into the victim mentality. And even if you are a parent trying to shift that, let it start with you, mm-hmm. you know, shift, get really clear on your feelings and how you feel and start to ask yourself, these questions for yourself so that you can then pass that on just like you're doing Jeanette to your children. I love it. So I have some questions for you. Yes. To dig deep into, to learn. Um, <laughs> if you could look at a version of your younger self and go back in time, speaking of, of the kid version of ourselves, if you could go back in time and look at that younger version, what would she look like? What does she need from you? And what would you say to her? 
I would say what sh- what I would really need it to hear is that it's all going, and I know this sounds, you know, so cliche, but that it's all going to work out and that you really need to take the pressure, take the pressure off of trying to be and become something that you're not. Mm. Um, that was something that was so hard for me to grasp as a child. And, and it really took, it really took me into my, gosh, I guess, you know, like late twenties, early thirties to, to realize that I have my own unique gifts. Mm -hmm. I have my own zone of genius, which is what I like to call it. And that is perfectly okay. And that wherever that was for me was, was an okay place to live in. And, um, when I was younger, I felt like I had to mold myself to be something other than who I was. And so if I could have had any advice (laughs) as younger Lauren, it would have just been that safety of it's all going to be okay. And you really can follow your heart and who you are in your zone of genius, because it's going to work out when you're in line with that. I love that. And I'm stealing the zone of genius. <laughs> yes, please. I'm going to use it with my daughter and my, my boyfriend's daughter. And now I'm referring to some of my own gifts as my zone of genius. Um, yes. I think that's so important because I think we have, you know, we, we want to believe that we all are supposed to look a certain way. And I was actually just interviewing uh, someone who was talking about how we have to, we qualify ourselves into these boxes. And instead of recognizing the, the talents that are divinely ours and the, the gifts that we're given, that that can light up a room. Um, If you were to leave behind some gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration as you were leaving this earth, you wanted to leave something behind that you wanted people to know, what would it be? That the relationships that are close to you and the connections that you find with other people are more important, will always be more important than grinding yourself into the ground, Mm. um, and spending yourself, spending so much time trying to hit goals. It's at the end of the day, when you are on your deathbed, what's going to matter is how hard you loved and how deep the connections were with the people that you had around you. That's what matters. Mm. Um, and I think from that space, you know, there is no, there's no place for fear to live if you are surrounded by love and you choose love for yourself. That was like really profound and it was a good, it, it was a reminder for me. Sometimes I feel like I interview people and they have a message for me that day. <laughs> like, they're like, hey, Jeanette, this is what you need to know. <laughs> and that was really um, beautiful because it's something that I write about and something that I believe. And, you know, I had these experiences with family members as they were leaving this earth. And that was some of the, the gold that they shared with me was, you know, the people that should be around your bed when you're dying are the people you should love while you're living. And, you know, not to worry about the big things, worry about the little things and love each other. And yet, even though we can know that and we can we can stand on that foundation, a lot of times we do get caught up in goals, right? Mm. I'm right now I'm building a company and so my my friendships have taken a side, you know, step while I'm working on that and blending a family. So it was like as you're talking, I'm just like message received. <laughs> like <laughs> I hear you. Um, So I am just so thankful that you spent the time today to share your gold and to help us move to a better choice orientation. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, where should they find you? 
Yeah. So you can find me on my website, just laurenzoller.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Lauren Zoller. So everything's just Lauren Zoller. And then I'm also on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash L Zoller. And then the balance boss podcast. So please check out the balance boss and you will see Jeanette on there. You are actually releasing in season two, which is um, coming out in just a few weeks. Love so it. that's exciting. So we I, can hear that that conversation too. I love that you have seasons because you are way more organized than I am. <laughs> like, so not there yet. Um, thank you so much for this time. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much, Jeanette. It was fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. I love Lauren's outlook and the way she helps us understand our relationship with ourselves, those we love, and her admonition that we feel the feelings. Never forget that your connection to others will always be more important than the grind and the goals. Thanks, Lauren, for the reminder that there is no space for fear to live when we are guided from a place of love. You can connect with Lauren on her website, laurenzoller.com, on Instagram at laurenzoller, and on Facebook at facebook.com lzoller. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. I'm always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have things you'd like to hear about, please share them with me in the comments. You can also find me on Instagram at ms.janetteschneider or Twitter at msjwrites. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. If you want some help moving toward that intentional life, join me every week on my intention journey. I'm inviting you totally free from my heart to your inbox. Sign up for my girl tribe at JeanetteSchneider.com. And before you even wake up on Monday mornings, there will be a huge dose of motivation waiting for you. Yes, I will wake you up on Monday mornings with intention setting prompts and give you some tips as to what is setting my soul on fire. On Fridays, I'm going to remind you to let go, recharge, and love yourself up with some self-care prompts to get present in your downtime intentional living is where it's at y'all until next time in the words of my grandma love each other every day